Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Hey, good morning, good morning. How are y'all? Good, good. It's good to be here with you guys. It's good to be up here with my boss sitting right here in the front row. Feels good. It's awesome. No, hey, today I get to I get to close out the Acts series, the Witness series that we have been in for the past couple months. If you haven't been here, we've been in Acts. If you have been here, we are still in Acts. But today's the last day. We're wrapping it up. And I say that like like it hasn't been a good thing. It's been awesome, um, and, and even uh, more than more than just hearing the messages here and here with you guys. It, it's been awesome to see the fruit of it, to go out beyond these walls and hear stories of people sharing their story of what God's done in their life, to start sharing the gospel with their one. It's been awesome to hear the fruit of this act series. So I'm excited that I get to um, bring this final message to you guys, and, and the main theme. The main theme for this whole series has been found in the first chapter. Every single sermon, we're always talking about this being witnesses, and it's here on the screen. Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is a charge to every single one of us, not just the apostles that were standing there with Jesus. It's a charge to all of us who have received the gospel of God's grace. Now we go out testifying about that gospel. We are all witnesses, every single one of us. And that's why we've also launched this Who's Your One initiative, which now we have all those Who's Your One resources available to you guys, the prayer booklets, the bookmarks, um, these new guides that we have for you today, these life circles, how to how to switch, how to turn conversations that you're having every day um, with everyday people, how to have them revolve around Christ and to point to Christ in every conversation. So that's another resource for you guys. You can always find those online or at the information booth. We have those ready for you guys. We want to be sharing the gospel with our ones, witnesses to what God's done on the cross, what he's done in our lives. But today we're wrapping up, and just because we're wrapping up witness, we are not wrapping up who's your one that's going to be ongoing and ongoing, ongoing, but we're wrapping up witness. So I'm wrapping up. I'm bringing to you the last nine chapters of the book of Acts. Nine chapters. Quite a few for one sermon. That's why Gary handed it off to me. He told me he didn't think he could handle it. uh, So he gave it to me. I'll let you decide if that's true or not. But they're all one main event. Okay, nine chapters, but it's covering one broad context. Okay, and this is going to be the most technical part of the message. So I'm going to get it out of the way right quick, but I think it's important. Okay, this is the most technical part. Okay, Paul, this is the context. Paul is in Jerusalem and he gets arrested in Jerusalem. Okay, and that arrest, his arrest, is what begins his long and slow journey all the way to Rome. He's a prisoner on his way to Rome, and that's the context. But why Rome? Why Rome? Well, for one, Jesus told him. Jesus told him in Acts 23, he said, Just as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you're going to testify about me in Rome. Jesus said it. But even before that, 
Before Paul became a prisoner, he had this desire to go to Rome because Rome, it's this major city like Jerusalem, this major city, these other cities, he's already been to Ephesus and Antioch. Man, this major city that's a center of trade for the known world. So listen, if Paul, if Paul can go and preach the gospel in Rome where people are constantly coming in and coming in and coming in to trade and then to go back out to their other cultures and their other nations, their other regions, if, call, if Paul can preach the gospel in a city like Rome, then the gospel is going to be preached to the ends of the earth. That's why Rome. So now listen. This is, this is the technicality part, um, but bear with me. Just before, just before Paul leaves to go to Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 19, he says he's going to Jerusalem, and he also wants to go to Rome. Just before he goes there, just before all these events of the last nine chapters happen, he writes a letter. Okay, he writes a letter to the Romans. It's in our Bibles, the book of Romans. He writes this letter and in it he declares his purpose. His purpose is to preach the gospel to Jews and Gentiles. That's everybody. His gospel is to preach the gospel to everybody. His mission is to preach the gospel to everybody. And right at the beginning of that letter, he says this statement, this strong statement, um, which I want to look at today. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. Now, there's roughly three years that go by between Paul writing that statement, between Paul writing this letter to the Romans, and then finally, slowly making his way to those he actually wrote that letter to. Three years that go by. Five years that span the end of the book of Acts. But he spends the last two in Rome preaching the gospel. But I can't help but think that as Paul goes over these last events in the book of Acts, as he lives them, he is living by this statement, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. We see Paul living his life by that statement, by that confession. So what I want to do is look at just some of the events in these concluding chapters in the context, with that lens, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and see how it plays out in Paul's life. I'm not ashamed. And that's our first thing. I want to break that statement up into to three, to three small statements. The first one is, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. And that's something I feel like we as Christians here in this room, we could all probably say that. You know, it's easy to say. We all affirm with Paul, yeah, I am not ashamed of the gospel, but I want to know what it means and what it looks like, not just to say it, but to live it out. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed. When I was a teenager and probably made most of the shameful decisions I've ever made in my life during that span of years, when I was a teenager, I was still living under my parents' roof and therefore under my parents' rules. And we had this one rule that I'm sure a bunch of you have or had, no throwing balls in the house. Anybody? Was that a rule ever? Yeah, good rule, but good luck. Yeah, it doesn't work. Definitely not. And, and we were clever, okay? We were clever because we were homeschooled, so we were so clever. We found this way around that rule, okay? A loophole, maybe is what you call it. We grabbed a Frisbee because a Frisbee is not a ball, right? 
So we got this frisbee and we were all the way just spanning the whole downstairs. I was in our kitchen area, which opened up all the way into our, our living room downstairs. And me and my younger brother, Trevor, just started launching this frisbee in the house. It wasn't even that fun. I think we just knew what the rule was. And we were just like, oh, we can get around this. Throwing this frisbee and it took 60 seconds, maybe 60 seconds. And this huge uh, antique looking window frame. My mom just used it as decoration. She hung it up on the wall. This window frame is laying face down on the ground with the glass and the window panes all over the floor. And we did, we did what any teenager in their right mind probably would do. Um, we grabbed the window pane and we hung it back up on the wall. We grabbed some big pieces of glass that were still uh, usable and we kind of put them gently into the panes. We swept up all the glass and then we walked away saying nothing to anyone and hoped that no one would ever find out about it. And it was the first thing that my mom saw when she came downstairs the next morning. Man, Trevor and I, we thought we were clever enough. We thought we were clever enough to bend the rules and get away with it. We thought we were good enough at Frisbee to throw it in the house without knocking anything over. And both of those things were not true. Neither one of them. We were ashamed. So we didn't say anything. And we hoped no one found out about it. And that's it. And isn't it when we're feeling ashamed? Ashamed of something? Ashamed of our behavior or something that we've done? The situation we've gotten ourselves into when we're ashamed of it? Natural response. Don't say anything. Hopefully nobody finds out about it. Here's the thing. I wonder if, um, like me, because of your silence or because of your not talking about it, we've almost appeared as if we're ashamed of the gospel. Even though I would say otherwise, I would definitely say otherwise in here, this is what I proclaim. I'm unashamed of the gospel. I say otherwise, but apart from being in this place with you guys, for some reason, I seem to keep the gospel hidden from a lot of people. I don't talk about it that much. Like I'm ashamed of it. And Paul, Paul's not perfect. Man, look at his story and you'll know he was not perfect. In these last couple events of the book of Acts, these last couple chapters of the book of Acts, and we get a glimpse of what it looks like to live unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, speaking to believers in Ephesus just before Paul leaves to go to Jerusalem, he's speaking to these believers about to head out, and he says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Man, that is the opposite of being ashamed of something. Trevor, me and Trevor, we were never going to testify that that was what we did. We were ashamed of it. Man, Paul's life purpose, purpose is to testify to the gospel of God's grace. His own life, his own reputation worth nothing. If only he might testify to the gospel of God's grace. And guys, he has shameful circumstances ahead. He has shameful experiences coming up ahead. He's going to be in prison. He's going to be in trial after trial. He's going to be on house arrest, not to mention all that he's already been through. But shame has nothing on him in the light of the glorious grace he's received. Shame has nothing on him. And that's the work of Jesus every time. 
that shame should have nothing on us. He takes things and events and situations, all these things that are intended for shame that the enemy intends to put shame on us with, and Jesus flips the script. Man, he took the cross, which was meant to kill him and put shame on him, this instrument meant for shame. And he scorned the shame of the cross. He used it as the defining moment for our redemption. That's Jesus every single time. He wants to do the same thing in your life and in my life, to take everything that we're ashamed of, to take everything the enemy intended to bring us shame and to keep us trapped and to keep us feeling alone, to keep us feeling like we're not children of God. And Jesus is taking all those things and he's proclaiming over it. What the enemy has intended for evil, I have intended for good. What the enemy intended to shame you, I have intended for good every single time. If you are in Christ, you have nothing to be ashamed about. If you are in Christ and how he has come into your life and shaped your story, that is nothing to be ashamed about. His grace is greater than anything you've done and anything intended to bring you shame. You're not defined by your defeats. You're defined by his victory. There's this song that I've been listening to on repeat recently by this Christian artist, and he's writing it from the perspective of God, God saying this to him, God saying this truth and ministering to him. And the lyric is, your every mistake, just know that I will use it to break others' chains when you testify of what I've done. Have y'all experienced that? And someone shares their story of what God has done in their life, their past sins, their past mistakes, and God's used it to break the chains that are holding you because they've testified what the Lord has done in their life. God's going to use it. Those things that were intended to bring us shame, He uses it to break chains. That's what God does. And Paul knew this. He's 2,000 years removed from the song, but he knew this truth. It was prevalent in his own life. That's why over and over again, he shared his story, including all of his mistakes and all of his sin with all those who would listen. Even when on trial, when on trial, Paul's defense, man, didn't consist of anything other than saying, this is who Jesus is. This is what he did in my life. And now this is why I'm doing this. He always talked about Jesus. He always talked about his story unashamedly. His past mistakes, his past sins, his past persecution of the church, they now hold no power over him. They hold no shame over him because the gospel of God's grace has scorned the shame of our sin. And I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. Man, we see that in Paul's life. I am not ashamed of this gospel. I have no shame over me now. Only the gospel of God's grace. The gospel, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. It is the power of the one and only God for our salvation. It's not the gospel of Paul. It's not the power of Paul. When Paul is sharing the words, this gospel, the power is not on him. It's not the power of Cameron. It's not the power of Gary. It's not the power of Stephanie. It's not the power of any one of us. The gospel is the power of God and God alone for salvation. And that is important to know. Because even though we have this responsibility to share the gospel, how people respond is not on us. How people respond is not on us. We testify like Paul does, like Paul did. 
to the gospel of God's grace, but people responding, your family member who you're going to share the gospel with, your one who you're going to share the gospel with, your neighbor who you're going to share the gospel with, them responding to the gospel and God coming to live in their life and give them new life, that is the power of God. And the power of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that power. And there's power when we share the words of the gospel. There's power when we share the gospel using the word of God, using scripture, using the Romans road. And there's power when we share those words, when we share that gospel, because you know what the word of God is? You know what the word of God does? What the gospel, the life and work of Jesus Christ, who is the word of God, John 1, 1, you know what the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ does. Listen, Hebrews 4, 12 says that for the word of God is living and active, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even to dividing soul and spirit, bones and marrow. It pierces and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's the word of God that we share, sharper than any double-edged sword. It is living and active. That's why all the way back in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, the gospel is preached for the first time by Peter and the apostles to those Jews who would listen to them in Jerusalem. It's preached for the first time. They're using scripture, using the word of God. They're showing how Jesus has fulfilled this, how it was prophesied that he would die, but now he's risen again, prophesied that he would rise again, and now he would defeat Defeat the grave. The gospel is shared for the first time using scripture and it says the Jews were cut to the heart. It says when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they asked Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And they're not cut to the heart because Peter or because the apostles were persuasive or they were skilled speakers or because they made the gospel attractive they were cut to the heart because the word of god is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword it pierces the heart it cuts the heart and that's why they were cut and cut deep the power of god is the gospel power is not in us man the power is the gospel it's not on us how people respond It's on us to share. But it's the power of God when people start responding. Paul knew this. He's given his testimony. He's explaining how Jesus has fulfilled, has fulfilled scripture. He's sharing this with a guy named King Agrippa. And King Agrippa came in when Paul's a prisoner. And King Agrippa's just there to to give his take, to give his advice on the whole situation with Paul because people are wondering what to do with this guy. So King Agrippa's there and he's kind of familiar with Jewish customs. He's kind of familiar with Jewish scripture. So he's there and Paul's sharing his testimony, yet again, sharing his story. He talks about how Jesus has fulfilled scripture and he looks at King Agrippa and Paul says, do you believe these things? I know you do. And King Agrippa, he looks at Paul and he asks him, do you think you can persuade me to be a Christian? And get a grip What's he doing? Man, he's flipping the script. King Agrippa is taking taking the power of God for salvation, and he's placing it all on Paul. 
Paul, do you think that you, you alone can persuade me to be a Christian? Do you think that you can do this? And Paul, Paul doesn't go and look within himself and he's like, let me think, let me think. Can I do this? Let me change my argument. Let me use Liz's words instead. No, what Paul does, he says, short time or long I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am. Except for the chains. Thanks, Paul. I pray to God. Why pray to God? It's God the one who holds the power of salvation. It's not on Paul. It's not on us. God holds that power. Those early apostles knew it. They knew it wasn't on them. Paul, before King Agrippa, knew it. He knew it wasn't on him to persuade others. He shared the gospel. He shared scripture. He shared his story. He shared how Jesus fulfilled scripture. And then he prayed to God that those who heard him would become like him, except for the chains. The gospel is the power of God and God alone to save. And I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. Paul believed that. The gospel is the power of God. Not us. It's the power of God. There's power in sharing those words of the gospel. Their salvation. Their salvation for everyone who believes. Guess what? We know the way. We know the way to that salvation. His name is Jesus Christ. How can we not tell others about Jesus Christ if it's the way, salvation, the only way? Salvation is available for every single one who believes. We're not responsible for responses. We're not responsible for if someone believes or if someone doesn't believe, but we are responsible for being unashamed of the gospel. We're all responsible for testifying to the gospel of God's grace that saved and changed all of our lives. We're responsible for sharing that gospel because in it there's salvation. How can people believe unless we tell them? How's your family member going to believe unless you share your story with them? How's your coworker going to believe unless you share the gospel with them? How are they going to believe unless we tell them? You have a responsibility to share, to be unashamed. Paul, Paul's at the very end of this book of Acts and it ends not necessarily with a nice bow or ribbon tied and it's, and it's all perfect right there at the end. It kind of ends open-ended. We don't know much what happens after that. It ends with these two sentences. Paul welcomed all. Paul welcomed all who came to see him. After all, he's on house arrest, so he's not necessarily going to see people at this point, but he's welcoming all who came to see him. And boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he believed that salvation is available to every single one who believes. So he welcomed all. Guys, we have the privilege of not just waiting to be seen by others, but going and seeing and meeting and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel and sharing our story, sharing what Jesus has done in our life. So we want to go and we want to share this gospel with them, share this gospel using scripture. And we want to keep this in front of you, the Romans road. We want to keep it in front of you because you are going to use this to share the gospel with others. This is the word of God and there's power in sharing that word of God. It's living and active, but also This is what's true in your life. This is what's true in my life. If we're Christians, this is true. We're living in this truth that Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short. That's us. We're all sinners. It doesn't matter who you are. All of us have sinned and fall short. The glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says what the payment for that is. The wages of sin is death. 
The payment for our sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of God is life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8, this is how God proves his love for us. This is the love of God that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Gary said last week that God didn't wait for us to get our act together. He didn't wait for us to get clean before he died for us. No, he went to the cross while we are sinners. That's the love of God. How do we respond to that love? Confess and believe in Jesus. Confess him as Lord and you will be saved. Man, go. Go and share those scriptures with your one. Go and share that word of God with your one and watch and see what happens. Watch and see how the word of God cuts them to the heart. They might be offended. They might be offended because getting cut hurts. They might be offended, overwhelmed. They might just believe. But no matter what, I believe. I believe they're going to be cut and cut deep because the word of God is living and active. Whether they believe or not believe, man, it's going to impact them. It's going to cut. Because God's word is living and active. And that's what we're sharing. That's what we're sharing when we share the gospel. And when we share this gospel, I pray like Paul. I know all of us pray like Paul. That whoever hears the gospel either today or tomorrow or the next day or the next day, whenever we share the gospel with our one, we pray that they would become just like we are when we share. Because we are not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples, really for the last time when he was physically with them, he's speaking to his disciples and he tells all of them, he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the way to the ends of the earth. And scripture says that right after he got done saying these things, he was taken up. He was taken up into heaven. He commissions them as his disciples, as his witnesses, and then he's taken up. So his disciples are standing there looking intently at the sky. We're not really sure what necessarily they're waiting on. They're just looking intently at the sky. And then all of a sudden, these two men in uh, white, dressed in white, come up to the disciples. Kind of ambiguous. They say this, the disciples. Men of Galilee, why are you standing looking into the sky. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And I see that statement, man, in two different ways. Okay, because in one sense, Jesus is coming back. Hey, don't worry. Disciples, don't worry, church. Jesus is coming back. He's overcome the world and he's coming back. But on the other hand, Man, they're looking at these guys who just received all these commands, all this encouragement from their Lord, Jesus Christ. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go and make disciples of all nations. These guys come up. They're like, hey, why are you still looking at the sky? You know what Jesus said. Why are you still standing here staring into the sky? He's coming back. You know what he said. Why are you still standing here? And so church, I wonder how he's going to find us. Because there's a temptation in my life to just stand still as a Christian believer. 
stand still and just look at the sky and just kind of wait for the day when Jesus is going to come back. Jesus, I knew you were coming back. I was waiting for you. Or is he going to find us in the heart of Covington, in the heart of the lives of our unbelieving friends, the heart of Porterdale, the heart of Monticello, and the heart of Conyers. He's going to find us at the ends of the earth, unashamedly bearing witness to what Jesus has done on the cross, what he's done in our lives, making disciples of all nations, of all people. Is that how Jesus is going to find us? Jesus, we knew you were coming back. So we've been waiting for you. How is he going to find us? Church, we collectively have the responsibility, the privilege to tell others how we've been saved, to tell others what Jesus has done in our life. That is our responsibility to share the gospel with every single person on the face of the earth. Quite a task, but we're just starting with one. We're sharing the gospel with every single one, starting with our one. The name of that person that God has given you, that he desires to be saved, that he desires you to share the gospel of salvation with. We're starting with one. So share your story. Share the gospel using scripture. And then watch. Watch and see what happens next. Watch and see what God does. Watch and see what the word of God does as it cuts them to the heart. Watch and see what the gospel that you share, that you proclaim, does. We are not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. We believe that. Guys, we didn't just walk through the book of Acts over these past couple months. We didn't just walk through it to show you what happened but we walk through it to show you what can happen today. Not just what happened in their day, but what can happen today because we're a part of that church. You know that? Man, the gospel went to Rome and it spread out from there and it's made it to the Americas. Now as a result, all of us are believers. We're all children of God and we're a part of that church. We're a part of that commission. You're going to be my witnesses and you're going to make disciples of all nations. We're a part of that. What can happen today? can be the same thing and that sparked and spread like wildfire in their day. So right now we want to take this time to respond. And the band, y'all can go ahead and come back up during this time, but we're just going to have our time of response. And maybe the Lord has given you a name during this service or this past week, this past month, if you've been praying for your one, he's given you a name. So one way you can respond this morning during the response time and write that name on the card and as the band starts playing, bring that card up here and lay it at the foot of the cross as a sign of your commitment to praying for that person's salvation that God would embolden you to be the one to share the gospel with them. Bring that card up to the front. Man, it may be another way. In just a moment, I'm going to have a stand, but maybe another way is like me. You've realized that though you can say you're unashamed of the gospel. Maybe you haven't been living a life testifying to the gospel of God's grace. A life that almost seems like you're ashamed of the gospel. And if that's you and you need to commit yourself as an unashamed witness before the Lord in the presence of our family, of Christ, of these believers, 
Man, in just a moment, man, I invite you to kneel. To where you're at, or up here, kneel, praying and pledging yourself as a witness, unashamed of the gospel which has saved you. Finally, if you've heard the gospel for the first time today, or maybe you've heard it for the thousandth time today, but for some reason today, the Lord man, is strongly pulling you to Himself. You've finally given up fighting it, and you're responding to God for the first time today for salvation. Man, come up to the front. Come talk to me. I'll be up here. Gary's up here. Come talk to us. Man, and let us know, because we want to celebrate with you that you have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you're going to follow Him. We want to celebrate that. So church, man, bring that card to the cross. Kneel where you're at. Pledge yourself as an unashamed witness. Or come, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll move into this time of response. Lord, forgive me. God, I've preached and taught on this verse, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. God, but I know and you know that my life has not always exhibited that. That I'm unashamed. So Lord, right now, man, I'm committing myself to living a life unashamed. To always testifying. Not wanting to keep anything secret. Not wanting to keep anything hidden. Lord, I want to testify to the gospel of your grace in my life. And that it's available for all who believe. Lord, during this moment, we just want to take this time to respond to how you're working. God, we believe that your word is living and active. God, that it's cutting and shaping each one of us. The surgery is worth it, Lord. It hurts, but it's worth it. Because we're more like your son because of it. Lord, we are your witnesses. Enable us, man, to unashamedly proclaim this gospel of grace to the world, starting with our one. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take this time to respond. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.